What's up, guys? This is the uh, No Other Guys podcast, um, the first episode of this beautiful podcast that um, um, is is going to change the way you look at things for sure. Uh, today we're going to talk about a little bit uh, about myself. Um, I'm your host Reggie, and we are going to uh, dive into what led me to do, to, to uh, this point. And uh, I touch a little bit on the Old Testament uh, in Genesis. But uh, my journey starts, you know, as a child. Uh, my parents were heavily in the church. My father uh, is a pastor, uh, uh, recently retired. My mother is a current pastor of the church, of one of the churches that I uh, resigned from, um, which was my home church uh, growing up. And, um, you know, I've always, always, you know, been in the church and, and, you know, I've seen the, well, some, you know, some people say the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, growing up, um, I saw a lot of things as a child that, that I don't see anymore. And one thing um, that I used to see growing up in the churches were, uh, uh Mostly the women, some men, but, you know, when I was younger back in the 90s, you know, speaking, speaking in tongues and, you know, catching the Holy Ghost and, you know, falling out on the floor and fainting and, and all this stuff, you know, uh, all the theatrics that went into church um, back in the late 90s, um, you know, you you see those things and you're like, man, you know, uh, I want that. And I can remember as a child, like, you know, oh man, I want to, I want to get baptized and, you know, I want to, you know, I want to be able to do those things, you know? So, uh, you know, I get baptized at, I think, you know, about the age of 11 or 12 on a decision that I made and, um, without any concept of the Bible whatsoever, just going literally based off what my parents were doing as being pastors and not, I mean, I'm 12. I didn't read the Bible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, I got baptized at 12 and, you know, kind of, you know, started my journey there. And uh, when I got a little bit older, um, in my, you know, 18s, 19-year-old, you know, age, um, I kind of, well, most would say strayed away from the church and, <clears throat> you know, lived, you know, you know, partied and drank and stuff like that. And, you know, went off to college and, you know, just typical behavior at that age. And um, started to see that the world itself is a really, really dangerous place. Um, I mean, I grew up in a... Catholic school setting. I, my, I went to Catholic school from kindergarten all the way to uh, sixth grade. So, you know, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't experience a lot of the, of the things that, you know, some people experienced growing up. You know, I had a real, you know, nice, you know, two parent home upbringing. And uh, both of my parents were successful or are successful. So, you know, when I got into the world and, and started doing some of the things that other people were doing and drinking and partying and, you know, being a part of that nightlife crowd, I, I was always uneasy in that situation. And, uh, you know, having the, uh, the past experiences of like, you know, my childhood, you know, growing up in a Catholic church, I didn't go to, to a, a public school until I was in the seventh grade. That was the choice I made because, you know, I felt like I needed to be around people that, you know, looked like me and uh, wanted to experience, you know, my culture as a as a teenager, you know, and because the, the school that I went to was predominantly white. And, uh, you know, growing up in that setting was, I just want to go back a little bit, growing up in that setting uh, going to a Catholic school, <laughs> that was the most eye-opening experience for for me as a as a 
churchgoer, as a Christian at the time. I experienced some things at, at that Catholic school that, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that I experienced some things at that Catholic school that a lot of children shouldn't endure. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of hand picking and selection, you know, in, in a Catholic church setting. Uh, we used to go to mass on Thursdays, I believe. And as a little, not only am I, you know, one of the only black kids in mass, I am not a Catholic. <laughs> so naturally, some of the things that the other kids get to do is being a part of the, the diocese or whatever it's called. I don't get to do. And I can see myself as a little kid questioning some of the practices of the Catholic church. Imagine this, you're a little, you're a little, little black kid or, you know, in my case, you know, black kid and every, the, the, the uh, teachers are white. The nuns are white. The uh, <clears throat> the 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 priest is white. Ninety nine percent of the students are white, and probably a Catholic. There's very few kids that I think didn't take the the sacraments or Eucharist, whatever it's called. So on Thursdays for mass, on Thursdays for mass, we would. Uh, you know, take, you know, go through the, you know, service and, uh, you know, at the end, you know, we'll, you know, do the Hail Marys and all that. And then when it came time to do the, um, the, the sacraments or whatever, you know, the, the body of Christ and, and the, the drinking of the wine, which I thought was pretty cool. You know, you're a little kid and you're sitting there getting a sip of wine, you know, I don't know if the kids did or not, but I know some. I know the adults did, but they actually drink wine, like, and they wipe this from the same cup, which is, you know, pre-COVID. But I mean that that's another story in itself. But anyway, I don't get to do this because I'm a Methodist, because my parents are Methodists, and I don't get to do this because I'm not a Catholic, and that, you know, you you hear. Oh, we're all one body of Christ. We're, we're, you know, we're all one and love thy neighbors thyself and teaching you about Mary and, you know, all the saints and all the good that they did and all these things. But you're, because you didn't accept, now I'm, I'm, I'm baptized through my church as a child, you know, oh, but because you're not a Catholic, you can't do this. But I thought that we were all, and this, I'm I'm a little kid now processing all this. I'm a I'm I'm a little kid processing all this information. So I don't I don't get to take the the communion. I I don't get to do it. And and it bothered me that I I thought that we all served the same the same God. I, why why don't I get to do, and and as a kid, you want to be included. You want to you want things to be inclusive, because you're a kid. You want to experience life. You want to you want to do things. You know, it's like getting picked last for you know kickball, or don't get picked at all. It kind of bothers you. And I don't care how old you are, you remember what you don't get picked for. And I, at that age, I, I began to see that that why is there a, a delineation between me and you if we serve the same God? We read out of the same Bible. So fast forward, you know, my, my dad's a pastor and, and you know, we go through, uh, you know, the church relocation process. You know, he was at one church and then he got sent to another church that had like two members and it was just like, terrible because we would drive all the way out to the middle of nowhere to this church that literally had like two people not saying that two people don't deserve to be preached to but i'm just saying like you moved him from one church to another church and he diligently did what he was asked and he showed up on time and you know he was a great 
great leader uh, in that respect, and I applaud him for that. But um, on the back end, me being a child, getting ripped from that building, me getting uh, my, my, my sisters getting ripped from that building into another uh, atmosphere, it's like switching schools pretty much. Like you've been going to this church for years, and then all of a sudden, oh, well, you got to go over here now. And the new people that were at that church didn't know my dad. And, and you know, there was some, I'm pretty sure there was some headbutting going on. And the people that got the other pastor at the other church, I'm pretty sure that, you know, well, there was some growing pains there, which is normal when new people come in. But, you know, so many things went through my head during that time. And then there was one time during uh, a mass meeting uh, through the Methodist uh, church that we went through. All the churches converge and, in one city, and they talk about, uh, you know, money, basically. So I remember we were at this mass meeting. I think I was about 13, 12, 13, 14. And we were literally having church, like the pastor just got done preaching and they did the offering and when I tell you and you're not you probably will believe this when I tell you that the bishop and the the elders literally pulled out a table in the middle of a church service at this mass meeting counted the money in the in the sanctuary and came back got on the microphone and said, hey, we thank y'all for y'all's offering, but we need a little bit more. Can, it, can, can everybody do $50 more? And I'm just sitting here like, wait, what? what is going on? I remember sitting in the balcony of this church, and I'm just like so dejected. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, this is church. I didn't know this was a fundraiser. And I don't know if they wanted to pay the elder or pay the bishop money. I don't know what the, I don't know. It wasn't like somebody was dying and, you know, let's take up some more money for this person or, you know, the, you know, one of the churches burned down and we're going to take up. No, it was just like, you know, we didn't make enough money in this offering with the, with the people that gave generously from their hearts. Oh no, we need more money. We need more money. And as a, as a, Young man, you know, you're sitting there watching them count this money and in the church and ask, ask, literally asking people for more, more, more money. It's just it just blows your mind. Like, how is how is this normal? And so, um, you know, just all those experiences, man, like it was just thing after thing that I began to pick up on just growing up. And I, so many things I'm like, this ain't right. This ain't right. And then, you know, as you get older and you start processing the world and, and getting back to, you know, 18, 19, when you start processing the world and you start meeting different people after high school from different walks of life and you start kind of processing the world around you and you see, you know, there's some uh, black churches. There are some white churches. You know, there are some, you know, you got Methodists, you got Baptists, you have... Uh, <clears throat> um, Seventh Day Advantage. You have Jehovah's Witness. You have uh, Lutheran. You got all these different denominations, and I think I've read somewhere that it's up to like twenty five thousand different denominations of 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 Christianity. Like it's so many. It's so many barriers. It's so many separate. Oh, I, uh, you know. I don't believe in this. So, you know, Calvinism and, and, and all that is so many things that, that have transpired out of just the church that Paul created alone, that is just utterly ridiculous to even follow. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's too much to follow. If, and this is the part that I'm going to go back to probably frequently. If we are, you know, one body in Christ. Why are there so many different bodies? If we are supposed to be worshiping the same 
death, the same resurrection. Why are there so many different variations of, of, of church? You know, some, some, some churches, oh, I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. You know, that's, that's, that's too much for me. And I don't, I don't believe in speaking in tongues and the Sabbath is on this day. And, and, you know, once saved, always saved. And, you know, there's so many things that transpired. There's so many things that transpired out of the church that it's just, how do you find any bearing in that situation? How do you find any, any stability? How do you find any foundation? And you got, you know, you know, so many different doors to walk through. How do you even know that's the right door? And as a, and as a young believer, I was confused about that. So, you know, in my, in my mid twenties, I, you know, what people say, answer the calling. And I knew that God had placed a calling on my life to be a pastor. I just didn't know what kind. You know, but but the closest church that I was in was my parents' church, and I, you know, asked my father, I was like, hey, you know, I want to answer my calling, and and I wanna I wanna be a pastor, and and he began to allow me to preach one Sunday, and boy, was I happy about that. I preached my trial sermon, um, I think when I was twenty three, twenty two, or you know, and and I was so excited, and I, you know, I cried, and you know, I felt all this you know immense pressure released off of me, and so many people showed up and supported. That, my, that, 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 that we knew in the church. And it was a great, it, that was a very great, I look back on that, that was an awesome uh, moment in my life. But then as, as, as the rubber meets the road, so to speak, and I began to preach, um, I, I was so hungry to make my ministry sound like what I've already heard. I was so hungry to, oh, well, I'm going to do it this way. And one of the things that i prided myself on was the fact that I, I was not going to be the pastor that did all the hooping and hollering. That is just, you know, I mean, coming from a Catholic, you know, church setting, if the, if the priest, I forgot what they're called. I don't know if it's a specific name for them, but I think it is. But if, if, you know, he would have been hooping and hollering, you know, I don't, I don't know how that would have went over, but they don't. They, you know, monotone do the scripture. And not that that influenced me. I just don't understand why you have to yell at people to get, to get their attention or to make yourself seem like you're authoritative in the scriptures. So many things that I was like, you know, I'm not going to skip around in the Bible. Oh, man, that is just one that just utterly just baffles me that people would sit there and say, you know, for God, uh, you know, you know, one scripture and then boom, this is my sermon. Like, how about we just like some, I, this was, this is how I looked at it. For some, you're going to be the only Bible that these people ever read. You're, you're going to be the closest thing that they ever get to a Bible. That's how I looked at it. So I was like, you know, if they're going to be he's sitting in here listening to me, I'm going to actually minister to him. I'm going to go through the, I'm going to, you know not take scripture out of context. And so I went through and y'all, man, I, I, I tell you, you know, I was not that I'm a terrible preacher. Um, you know, God has really blessed me in the area to be able to discern and to understand scripture and to, um, you know, he's really blessed me. And uh, that none of that, you know, preaching or communicating wasn't the issue ever for me. But the issue that I began to have was I always preached out of the New Testament, and I realized that. And the more I preached out of the New Testament, the more I felt pressure to know it. And so I began to read it, and, and um, you know, we had this little, uh, we had this little, you know, I guess order that we went by, you know, you 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 know, you preach and then at the end you you invite people to Christ. Like you you're, you wrap up your sermon with Christ and inviting people to Christ and that was how I was taught to to communicate the the word of God. But um, you know, you do this and you do this so much and you you begin to wonder for yourself like, you know, 
how is how is this effective? And um, I, I pulled away from the church for a little bit, and then I and I came back and I and I began to preach, and that's when um, I was really putting my best foot forward. I wanted to learn. I wanted to understand, and the um, entire time I'm still in the New Testament. And then around 2019, 2018, I began to feel this, this, this like emptiness. I'm like, you know, what's going on? You know what I'm saying? Like I'm preaching, I'm, I'm married, you know, I'm married, I have children, I'm faithful, you know, I was like, what's going on? And the only thing that I could see in front of me and the only thing that I can hear was seek God. That's all I could hear. That's all I could see. That's all I can understand. And, and I just kept going, seek God. And you read the Bible scripture, you know, seek God and you'll find him once you seek him with all of your heart. I never understood what that meant. And as I begin to like actually seek him and I'm just steadily in the New Testament, I'm like, dude, what is going on? So I, I, I you know, you know, as even though I was a pastor uh, of, you know, my home church, you know, helping out my, my father. I began to go to this other church, this contemporary church. And when I walked through the building, it was so many people. It was a new building. It was a beautiful facility. And when I walked through the building, there were so many smiling faces and, and so many, you know, it was just like a breath of fresh air. There were, um, you know, friendly people, you know, people parking cars, things I've never seen before. I'm like, man, it's pretty cool. Like, I want to I be like this contemporary type, you know, flow. And I saw how they carried out their service. It was different from what I ever seen in my life. And I was just like, man, like if I'm if I'm a pastor, I definitely can pull this off. You know, I can definitely be this kind of pastor. You know, this this looks fun. And that was the first time in my life that I ever fasted. And that pastor, you know, preached very well. Uh, he was very good, and. Um, I sort of look up to him. He's a he's a pretty good communicator of the word. And, uh, you know, I, I begin to see like, okay, well, maybe there's, you know, because my Methodist church, mind you, is like old-fashioned. It's archaic at best. Like, we still sing hymns, like out of a hymnal. Like, very tradi traditional. And, you know, I'm young. You know, I want something new. I don't want to, oh, yeah, like, that's not my vibe. Like, I don't. I don't want to sing blessed assurance all day. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm young. I don't even, but anyways, so <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, this is cool. So I start to fast and I remember the pastor saying, talking about a God encounter. Like he had an encounter with God. I was like, I want that. I'm seeking God. I want to, I want to see what that's like. And I began to fast and fasting is a great tool. Uh, it really helps you focus on God and, it helps you pull away from the world and kind of see where you are versus where the world is. And God, you know, really moves in that time because it's biblical. Like fasting is, is, is in the Bible. Moses fasted. So, um, you know, I began to do that. Um, and when I, when I realized that, okay, there is something here, like I, I, I want more. And I, and I still saw seek God, seek God. And in 2020, I remember it was, like, it was like the New Year service, I believe. My wife, my sister was like, hey, we're going to go to church. And I stayed at home. And my, my whole family went to church, my, my wife, my kids, my, my sister. And they, they were just trying to pull me to church. And, and I stayed at home because I told God, I said, God, I'm tired of going in circles. I'm tired of going in circles. Like, every year is the same. Like, I, I you know, do this, and the end result is always this at the end of the year. Like, I'm tired of that. Like, I want to go up. I want to do something. I want to change my trajectory. Like, and I remember staying at home, and I made some cookies, peanut butter cookies and, like, some chocolate chip cookies, and I sat and I watched a movie on Netflix and while they were at church. And I was just, like, pretty much, like, standing, you know, like, I'm not going to church. I'm not doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like kind of not standing against God, but kind of like pouting, I, I guess that's the word. And they they came back, and I'll never forget, she was like, you know, you missed a really good sermon, and, and you know, 
my sister was like, yeah, it was a really good sermon. And and the the message, and I went back and I watched it online, and the message was uh, when, when Jacob was wrestling with God and how God, you know, touched his, you know, hip and all that. And uh, mind you, oh, I, I left out a very valuable piece of information. Earlier that year, <laughs> earlier that year, I had tore my ACL. So I'm recovering from that. And uh, um, it's just a lot going on. You know, that was just my, that was just, no! Yes, I was, I was recovering from that. And so I was just like, it was, I was in a re weird place. I had a lot going on in my life. Um, and so I'm, I'm going through this, and the only thing I can see is seek God. So I began to, that year, um, after fasting, I, I was awarded my first church, and that was during COVID, and uh, I uh, began to, to, to minister. And the only thing I could see was seek God. So much so that I wrote Seek God on the wall of my son's bedroom in green uh, dry erase marker. And it's still up there to this day. And um, when, I, when I went through this process, um, it was, it was, it was eye-opening. I, uh, I I wanted more, and I began to preach, and it's during COVID, so, you know, I can't really go to a church, but I, so I'm online, and I'm, and I'm preaching, and, and I just, and I just still, I'm still seeking God, like, I'm trying to figure out what that means, and I kid you not, I kid you not, I'm reading my Bible one day, and I think I had got COVID. Think. I think this was the same around the same time. I ended up getting COVID. And and when I got it, you know, you're 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 secluded from everybody. So I'm reading the Bible and I'm reading Noah's uh flood and I'm reading all of these other, you know, passages in the Bible and I get to um I get to the Ten Commandments. And my church, I had, when I started the church, I had, you know, wanted to teach them in order. So we, we were going through the Bible and I was just studying and I was just reading. And I went, I got to the Ten Commandments after the, after Moses left Egypt. And I get to the Ten Commandments and I promise you, I'm not kidding. I read the first commandment and I've read this several times before. I read the first commandment and it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out, up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, you should have no other gods before me. And I don't know what happened this particular time when I read it, but when I read it, like, like it just did something to me. I'm like, I, I just, I started like, not hyperventilating, but I started like, like my, my, my breathing changed and, 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 you know, my demeanor changed, and I'm just like, wait, what? And I'm like, wait, what? Like, thou should not have any other gods before me. And, you know, when you're growing up, every pastor that you hear says, oh, well, and, and, and I never believed this. I always thought it was not true, not real. But, oh, your car can be your God, and your, your you know, job can be your God. And, and this is all this, like, stuff that's not God's God. Can be your God because they're trying to, I guess, regurgitate what they heard somebody else say. But then if you actually read that in context, they left Egypt. The Israelites left Egypt, and Egypt had other gods. And what God was basically saying to them is not, hey, you better not worship that, that you, know, you know, gold or that silver, or you, you don't need to worship, you know, those sandals on your feet or you don't need no god was literally talking about other gods like literally talking about other gods and so when i read this i like I, man like i like i start crying and i'm just like whoa like what's going on and 
And I just start repeating, you shall know the God, you shall know the God. And then that's when it hit me. Like in the in the New Testament, we're serving other gods. We're serving another God. And a lot of people are not going to agree with that, I mean, which I don't care. Because, I mean, you are. I don't care what you say. I don't care what justification you make. You're literally serving another God besides God. Like, you are. Regardless of if you say that they're triune or they're three in one or whatever math you want to use to equate this, you're literally serving another God. I'll put it to you this way. If you, if you, okay, I'll put it like this. If, if you serve the Islamic God, are you serving another God? I'm going to, this is the, this is the question. These are the things that we're going to talk about during this podcast. If you're serving the God of Islam, if you're serving Allah, Anything that's Islam, are you serving another God? So as a, as a believer, as a, as a Christian, I want you to answer that question. If you serve the God of Islam, are you serving another God? Mind you, they do not worship Muhammad, so we're not talking about Muhammad. We're talking about Allah. Are you worshiping another God? And if your answer is no, you're not serving another God, then you would be correct. But if you say, yes, Allah, it, it, the God of Islam is not the God of your Christianity, then you need to go back and reread your Bible. Literally. And all this pompous, proud attitude that you have towards the, 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 your brothers <laughs> is, is, un, uh, is unreal. It, it's the weirdest thing. And I didn't know that. So I read this. You should have no other gods. And I mean, I just went haywire. I'm like, wait, what? Like, wait, what? And I, and I remember like, you know, this is after, you know, I reaffirmed the, 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 the reading again. And I, and I, you know, immediately drive down to my parents' house and I'm crying and I'm, and I'm bawling. And I'm just like, you know, my parents live like 20, 25 minutes away from me and I'm just driving the whole way and I'm crying. It's like three o'clock in the morning and I'm just driving and I'm crying and I knock on the door and I'm like, y'all, you know, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy, but hey, check this out. God said, don't have any other gods. And here we are serving another God. And you know, my parents are pastors. So that's, you know, that's huge for me to even say something like that to them. And I'm just like, hey, you know, we're not doing this right. Because this whole time, like I'm, I'm, in the New Testament, and I'm preaching perfection, and people don't like when you preach perfection. Because God has put something inside of me, I'm just like, okay, how can we be holy? How can we be, like, Christian Christianity, this cannot be it. You just can't go around loving your neighbor as yourself, and baptisms, and, and taking communion, and like, like what, what, what's next? Like, when are we going to see the move of God? When are we going to see, like, you know what I'm saying? All these churches' walls fall down and they come together as one. And, you know, when are we really going to see a movement in this thing? Like, it was beginning to irk me. And, and, and when, I, when, I, when I read this, you know, I began to see we're not serving the right God or we're not serving God in the right way. So I'm just telling my parents all this stuff. And, and, and you know, and it, it, it really hits me, like, to my core. Like, thou shall not have any other guys before me. And I tell you, y'all, it was really hard to pastor a church that, that did communion and, you know, Methodist church and have this in your heart. You know, so much so that, you know, I kept giving communion, but God continued to talk to me. He was like, hey, you know, like, what are you doing? You know, like, what, 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 are you, what is this? And I'm like, I got to. I'm a pastor. And he's like, all right, well, no, you don't. So I began to stop giving communion slowly uh, and, and had someone step in for me to do the communion. And, um, you know, I, I get ordained as a, as a minister, like officially, and, and awarded another church after this. And I just feel all this pressure. And I'm just like, 
I changed my whole entire style and I began to actually teach them the Old Testament and, and, how, and the differences in between the Old Testament and New Testament. And when I began to read the Bible that way, there are so many differences between the Old Testament and New Testament. I'm not talking about thou shall smite thee. I'm talking about actual worship to God. It's not the same. It's not the same. Like, literally, it's not the same. And so I begin to have the question answered in me, how can one be holy? Because if you look for that question in the, the answer for holiness in the New Testament, you're not going to find it. There is nothing in the New Testament that shows you how to be holy. There is nothing in the New Testament that, that, that even speaks on, on holiness, really. And holiness is where God resides with you and man. And, you know, like back in the Garden of Eden, back on the Sabbath day, you know, he made it holy and he blessed it. Like he told Moses, you know, take your, uh, the, the angel of the Lord told Moses, take your sandals off because the ground you're standing on is holy. Everywhere God dwells is holy. He doesn't dwell in unholy places. So that's where I was as a pastor. I'm like, how can we be holy? Nothing teaches us in the New Testament how to be holy. And then when you ask somebody about being holy, in the New Testament, you say, oh, well, when we die, we come back. What? So you mean to tell me that you're going to live this mediocre life in this life, the life that you know exists, and then, but you're going to wait until God makes you holy because you can't do it by yourself. No, not, no. I, I never believed that. I never believed that. God is not going to sit here and be like, well, they can't do it, so I'm going to wait till they die, and then when, you know, my son comes back, then everybody's going to be holy. No. If we sin in the Garden of Eden, we got to work our way back to God. That's literally the whole point of the Old Testament. Literally, working your way back to God through his laws, his decrees, and his commands. Not what we think we ought to be doing. So that's what this, that's what, that's what this podcast, this is how this podcast got started. You know, I, I resigned from my churches. Uh, I think one of the last installments that I had at my church was Easter. And I just flat out was like, hey, why are y'all doing Easter? I mean, it was, it was so funny because it was not funny. It was sad because all the people there had their Easter baskets and everybody had their Easter eggs ready. And I just come in there with this brick wall and I'm like, hey, you know that this is a pagan ritual, right? Like, you know, bunnies don't lay eggs for one. And for two, Easter comes from Astra, you know, a, a goddess. Like, come on. What are we doing? And, and I find it very funny that Easter is literally right around the same time Passover is. So as I begin to read, as I begin to study, I begin to find that, hey, uh, this ain't right. What we're And that's why there's so many divisions in the church, because it's not right. The churches that Paul planted were not, uh, they were left up to, for debate. Everything about Christianity in the New Testament is left up to debate. And I'm going to say this, and I want you to take this not with a grain of salt. I really want you to ponder this. When God made the Garden of Eden, there were two trees, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of, uh, the tree of, knowledge of good and evil. There were two trees, two. And he told Adam, you may eat from any tree in the garden except for this one, because if you eat from it, you would surely die. And... Uh, you know, we know the story. Eve eats from the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and so does Adam and the serpent and all that. And uh, so this is, my, this, is my, this is my question to you. This is, I hopefully, hopefully I can remember to leave you guys with a question every, every podcast, something you can ponder on your own, a little take with you. If... There were two trees in the garden, one tree of life, one tree of knowledge of good and evil. Could it be, could it be that the, our Bible is set up that way? Could it be that, i ask you this two-parter, two-part question. Could 
the Bible be set up in a way there that it is that way? One testament is the tree of life, and the other testament is the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Because if our sin lives started with a choice between life and death, don't you think our sin life is going to end with the choice of life and death? Could it be that the, your Bible is set up that way? One testament is the tree of life, and the other testament is the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Now check this. Here's, here's, a, here's a second parter of the two-parter question. If you had to guess, oh, it's going to get a lot of people in the, in the tizzy. If you had to guess, which testament would be the tree of life? And which testament will be the tree of knowledge and good and evil? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I guarantee you, you're not going to answer that question truthfully. Some of you. If you if you gung-ho on the New Testament, I guarantee you, you can't answer that question truthfully. Because which one is the tree of life? In, in, in your eyes. Look at it objectively. And, and just see. Read it. Which, one's, which one would be the tree of life? Which one would be the tree of knowledge and good and evil? I am here to help you think through what your, your relationship with God. That's why I'm here. I want you to have a real relationship with God. Not this man-made relationship with God that has been passed down through generation to generation. Because God said that you should not have any other gods. Thou shalt have no other gods. That's the name of this podcast. That's why I named it this. Because that's the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods. The second commandment. Let me go back. The, 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 the third commandment. Let me, let me go back. The fourth commandment. And this is the big, this is, this, these are the big differences between the Old Testament and New Testament. And I'm not going to go into them because that's, that's for a later date. But these are the big differences. And, and, and I'm not close with this. I want you to answer that question about the tree of life to yourself. And talk about it amongst your friends. Which, which testament would be the tree of life? Which testament would be the tree of knowledge and good and evil? And could your Bible be set up that way? Because I, I personally think that it is set up that way. And one is one and one is the other. And I think the tree of life is the Old Testament. And we're going to all get into this later. But the fourth commandment, and this is how the Bible is different. The, the Old Testament is different from the New Testament. And the fourth commandment is keep the Sabbath holy. And we famously know that the uh, time literally changed after Christ's death, like literally, not figuratively, but literally changes from B.C., which is literally named before Christ, and then A.D. So the Old Testament says, keep the Sabbath holy. The New Testament says, uh, Jesus says, if a donkey falls in a well, would you not retrieve it? Oh, and then he also heals somebody on the Sabbath. So basically the Sabbath can be whenever. You can work on Sunday according to the New Testament. Which God said don't do and keep the Sabbath holy. Um So the and I misspoke Sunday is not the Sabbath, but yeah, you get the gist. You see what I'm saying? You can do whatever you want to do every day of the week, pretty much. Uh, I think pe most Christians say, I don't know, I haven't found it in the scripture or not, but my rest is in Christ. So I can rest any day. But um, the Testament number three, I mean, commandment number three. Commandment number three. Thou shall not misuse the Lord God's name in vain. Don't misuse it. So to misuse it means, I think it means to associate anything with God, like other names, because that's like 
not you don't do that because he's God and God all by himself. And he says that multiple times in the Old Testament. Uh, Moses tells the Israelites, hey, the Lord your God is is one like there. There is no other. And he. He says this multiple times. So for us to go like like in the Catholic Church, when we used to do the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you're you're. You're misusing his name. You don't use his name with other. You, he is God and God alone. And uh, the New Testament teaches that there's a triune God, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which there's nothing of that in the sort of the Old Testament. Um, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't think that that's safe to do. Um, but we're going to talk about all this later. I'm just going through some of the differences. Number two. Thou shalt not make for yourself a graven image of anything in heaven above or on earth below. Okay. That's a good one. Uh, I remember, you, you, I know you guys are familiar with the, the golden calf story. Uh, God got angry because Aaron was down there on the bottom of the mountain hanging out with the Israelites. And they were like, hey, let's make a golden calf. And Aaron was like, all right. And so they make this golden calf. And the guy gets mad at them. And he literally wants to wipe them from the face of the earth. He's so upset because he he's telling them, hey, don't do, don't worship anything. And here they are worshiping something. So if God got mad at a golden calf, don't you think God would get mad at all these crosses and all these churches? Don't you think he, you know, with the Catholic church, you know, you got statues of Mary holding Jesus. You got uh, all the saints, you know, in there with statues and statues of Jesus and statues of the cross and statues of all these things, all these all these images that God said, don't do that. He's saying, don't do this thing. And hey, no, let's do it. And 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 to 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 piggyback on this subject, uh, when I walked into this contemporary church, and I think most contemporary churches are like this, but they, I, I guess they follow all the same pattern. But they don't have crosses in the church. And I walked in there one day. I was like, man, they sure don't have crosses in here. And I thought that was kind of weird. But it's not weird because God said, don't do that. Don't have. And there were no images of anything anywhere. And I thought that was weird, but it's not because it's in the Bible. Don't do that. And I applaud that church for not having images erected in their church. That's that's huge. They, I don't even think they have their logo in the church. Like they that that pastor, kudos to him. But yeah, and you can say, well, I don't worship the cross and I don't worship, you know, Mary and, you know, I don't worship. But yeah, you do. It, we got a statue of Nick Saban up at 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 um, the, the university. There's a statue of Michael Jordan. There's a statue of of presidents on side of mountains. There's Statues of people everywhere. So what makes the statue that you erect more special than the statue that somebody else erects? You're you're that's worship. You're giving them accolade. You, I mean, no, nobody's in front of the Michael J Jordan statue and, you know, praying to it and worship it. No, but you're still idolizing it. So when all these people pass away, when we walk throughout our country or whatever, we're like, oh, who's that? Oh, well, that's Michael Jordan. Oh, who's that? Oh, that's Mount Rushmore. Those are the presidents. You're idolizing them. You're setting them in stone. God said don't do that. And uh, we do it. And number one. I am the Lord your God. Who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That is the first commandment. And here we are in 2023. And we do not have. Now, I want you to catch this very closely. And you can, like I say, you can say whatever you want to say. I'm just, like I said before on, on, on the prelude, I'm going to just speak the, the facts, the truth. You can say whatever you want to say. If you're in America, you have not one time been confronted or or accosted by someone that had a, another God 
that you could have possibly worshipped. And I'm not talking about the devil and all that. I'm not talking about Satanists. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an actual other God. Like, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not too big on current gods that are like now, but, you know, I've never, uh, 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 you just go about your daily life and literally the only God that you encounter that's other than your own, I would think on a, on a large scale would be Allah. That's the probably the only God that I think that you would, if you're in America, that's the only God that you would like probably encounter. I don't see a bunch of, you know, people that worship, you know, Shiva or I, I'm not, I hope I didn't mispronounce that, but you know, you don't have anybody coming up to you like, hey, worship this God, worship this God. No, no, no. You literally only have one other God in America. And that's that's Christ. That you worship. And your excuse is that they're one, so you worship them all. But you don't you don't understand exactly what you're doing. God said have no other gods, meaning he is God and God all by himself. And you can get you can get upset. You can, you know, never listen to this podcast, but I, I'm just stating the facts. Like I'm not lying. <laughs> this is not a lie. <laughs> you you have to understand when God says no other gods, that means no other God, like nobody else. And this that's the birth of the No Other Gods podcast. You, you have to understand the Bible in a way that makes sense. And the way that these new age Christians read the Bible is getting, it's tearing the church apart, the, the what's left of it. And God is not going to allow false teaching to prevail. He's not. It's going to fall. And let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me say this before I go. God is not going to allow false teaching to, 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 to reign supreme. And not only is, is he not going to allow false teaching to reign supreme, he's definitely, definitely not going to allow your eyes to be covered this entire time. The, 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 the lies are beginning to fall. And I say that about, you know, in history class, we learned that, you know, Christopher Columbus discovered America. No, he didn't. Because if he did, it'd be called Columbia. Um, we learn so many fairy tales about American history because they wanted to dress it up and make it look nice. You know, oh, yeah, we celebrate Thanksgiving. Oh, well, wasn't Thanksgiving when a bunch of settlers came over here and slashed a bunch of Indians? Like, is that... Is that what we're thankful for? Now people don't even celebrate Thanksgiving anymore. I mean, look, the, God is undoing a lot of the things that man has made. Man, anything that's man-made will not stand. Anything that God ordains will last forever. And his ordinances are going to last forever. God is going to get the last laugh, so to speak. He's going to get the last laugh. He's God. And, and what? Let me, let me preface this by saying God is not in a rush to do anything. He's not in a rush to do anything. He's God. He's eternal. We're in a rush because we're mortal. But we got to stop pretending that things are good because they're not. And, and this is what it looks like. I'm going to just give you an example. This is what it looks like when you worship other gods. There is nowhere in the Old Testament where a homosexual person can come and be like, hey, well, this is what this says. So maybe, um, you know, I can continue to live this lifestyle. But then you get to the New Testament, you have the famous scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. And so what that means is you tolerate other people's differences and you love them through it. Now, I'm not saying we should go around stoning people because... That's not for me to enact. I'm not a leader of anything or I don't own a nation or whatever, but, you know, and these are not my words. You know, you, you 
these, 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 it's in the Bible. But there are some things that, that you can get away with in the New Testament that you can't get away with in the Old Testament. And when, when this famous scripture is quoted by Christ, he says, love thy neighbor as thyself. Does anybody know where that scripture came from? Does anybody know where those words came from? And if you're a modern day Christian, Christian, you're going to be like, well, gee, that's, he, he said that. That's, those are his words. No, they're not his words. Those words literally came from the Old Testament. I think it's like Leviticus chapter 21 when Moses was telling the Israelites about the, uh, you know, how to live and how to treat each other. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And what that meant for them, and once again, putting scripture in context, what that meant for them was that, hey, you're a community of God. You're God's chosen people. So literally your neighbor is going to be your, your someone just like you. It's going to be another Israelite because you're going to move. You're going to live in this camp together. And then also foreigners can come in and live, and, and they'll be grafted into the family as well, you know, as long as they follow the decrees and the commands of God. But love each other as yourself so that there won't be any quarreling or bickering because you're Israelite. Now, the Israelites were living among Canaanites and, you know, Perizzites and Hittites and all these people. Moses wasn't talking about them neighbors. Those aren't neighbors. They might be in the same area, like in the promised land region, but they're not their neighbor. They don't live with them. They live around them or, you know, they're not included in this love thy neighbors thyself because God dealt harshly with those people that were outside of the camp of Israel. So to, for, for the New Testament to even take that scripture out of context is troubling. Because once you take that scripture out of context, oh, man, can you apply that to literally anything? And now you have gay churches as a result of what Christ said. You have gay churches because they're hinging on, hey, Christians are supposed to love everybody. You're not supposed to throw the first stone. You have a plank in your own eye, so how are you gonna pull? How are you gonna see mine to pull mine out? That ain't that's that's not the word of God. That's not that God didn't say that. God actually says the complete opposite of that. So here we are in 2023. The same thing that God punished Sodom and Gomorrah for just because of outright sin, now we have churches glorifying Christ. And I guarantee you they're not reading anything out of the Old Testament because they can't. They have the, the, the Gideon Bible. It's just the New Testament. They're just reading the, the New Testament and affirming their, their lifestyle in the New Testament because the God of the Old Testament don't, 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 don't condone that. And there's a way bigger problems than that, but I'll just use that as an example. But we got to realize, when God says, don't have any other guys before me, it's not a debate. It's not left up to debate. It's not, oh, well, this is what he really meant. He meant cars and clothes and shoot. No, he didn't. He meant literally other gods because in the Old Testament, he names other gods. And in the book of Judges, literally every chapter just about starts with, again, the Israelites sinned in the eyes of the Lord by worshiping other gods. And he sent, sold them into slavery every single time. Every time. It was literally always about serving other gods. The prophet Elijah went before the prophets of Baal. God talks about Molech. God talks about the god Dagon. God talks about... The, the, the David and Goliath, he was a Philistine. They worshiped Dagon. That was another God. Samson, another God. Everything centered around another God. That's what the Old Testament is about, worshiping other gods. It's not about worshiping tennis shoes and Nikes and Jordans and your good cushion desk job with the 401K. He's literally talking about other gods. Wake up. But. Here we are. Thank you for listening to this installment of the No Other Gods podcast. I will be reaching back out to you guys next week. 
and we're going to actually get into some scripture and it's going to be very fun stay tuned and may god of abraham isaac and jacob bless you and keep you